Well, church, as you know, uh, this Thursday is uh, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, we're at Thanksgiving week. Uh, Thanksgiving is probably uh, America's uh, favorite uh, non-religious holiday, right? It, it's a time when, when our country uh, traditionally has, has stopped work uh, has has gathered together with friends and with family in order to to celebrate God's goodness, uh, to give thanks for for God's provision in our lives. Uh, unfortunately, though, in recent years, it seems as if the the focus of Thanksgiving has changed quite a bit. For if if you were to to observe some of our our modern day Thanksgiving rituals uh, from outside of our culture. You may think that Thanksgiving is all about consumption rather than thankfulness, right? I mean, think about it. Many people in our country will spend the entire day on Thursday binge-watching football or old Christmas movies and stuffing their faces with all kinds of food, all while focusing on things that they don't currently have but are hoping to soon obtain uh, on, at Black Friday sales uh, on Friday or at Cyber Monday deals online on Monday. That's how people spend Thanksgiving these days. We are a long way from Plymouth. <laughs> and you know, in a lot of ways, it makes sense that our society has strayed from its Thanksgiving origins. For being thankful implies that you're not only thankful for something, but also that you're thankful to someone. And yet, in an increasingly post-Christian society, oftentimes uh, people have no one to be thankful to for the good things that they have except themselves, which explains in many ways why Thanksgiving has become a day that is more about self-consumption than of true Thanksgiving. What we're experiencing today is, is eerily similar to the warning that we heard at the beginning of the service this morning which God gave to his people in Deuteronomy 8 when they were, they were entering into the land of plenty. And he warned that when they had eaten their fill and built big houses and when they had accumulated an abundance of stuff, that they needed to be very careful because it would be easy to forget God in the midst of their abundance and to think that their own power and their own might had gotten them their wealth. And when that happened, that they would, they would forget the Lord and stop giving thanks to God. And we see that reality being played out all around us in our world today. But this should never be the case for Christians. Despite the current state of the holiday and all the cultural influences that come to bear on it, we should be a people who celebrate Thanksgiving well. As people who are called to give thanks to God every day for the provision in our lives, we should be in, in practice uh, kind of in mid-season form when the actual day that is set aside for giving thanks rolls around. None of us should, should pull a hamstring when we get up to give thanks on Thanksgiving Day. Those muscles should be well exercised. We of all people should celebrate Thanksgiving well. And so, so in order to make sure that we're ready to go on Thursday, I, I, I want us to warm up just a little bit this morning. And, and kids, this is where you come in, okay? Uh, I want you to, to consider this your, your pregame stretching, right? To get you ready to go on Thanksgiving morning. And so I want to know, what are some of the things that you are thankful for? 
When your mom or your dad or, or your grandmom or your granddad asks you uh, on Thanksgiving Day to say what you're thankful for, uh, what would you say? How would you respond? Any of the kids uh, willing to give us a, an answer? Awesome answers. Family and friends and houses and food and water and things that you love. Anybody else? Charlie, you got something? There was something thankful in his heart there. (laughs) Well, kids, what I want you to do, what I want to invite you to do is through the rest of the service, I want you to to draw a picture of of some of the things that you're thankful for, okay? And at the end of the service, I want you to share with us, and you can show those pictures and and tell us some of the other things that you're thankful for. But but, but what Emery shared with us, those are great things to be thankful for, right? And and, and if we celebrated those types of things on Thanksgiving, uh, it'll be a good Thanksgiving, uh, and, and, and so that's that's good. That, that's good. It's important. And, and kids, thanks for those answers, spoken and unspoken. But 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 did you notice that that in in Emery's answers there was a there was a trend in all of the things that she she responded to that she was thankful for. Did, did anyone else catch this? That everything that she mentioned was incredibly positive. Uh, shelter, food, family. Things that, that she loves, th- those are all pleasant, happy, good, joyful, blessed things. And, 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 and Emery's right. Uh, th- those are the, the types of things that we normally w- will celebrate and give thanks for uh, around tables, both, both religious and non-religious households throughout the Thanksgiving holiday. People will, will say that they're thankful for those things. But, but I wonder, should that be the criteria that determines whether or not we are, we are able to give thanks, right? If our circumstances are good, if, if things are blessed, if, if, if we're having the things that we enjoy, is that the criteria that determines whether or not we are to give thanks? If so, then we may be in trouble this year. <laughs> because this Thursday, we aren't celebrating just any old Thanksgiving. <laughs> this is Thanksgiving 2020, <laughs> It's like Apocalypse Thanksgiving, right? I mean, this has been the most difficult, most worrisome, most divisive, most controversial, most inconvenient, most tension-filled, hardest year that most of us have ever lived through by a long shot. We've dealt with a, a global pandemic that has shut down schools, shut down work, forced us online for worship. It's affected incomes and life rhythms and friendship and social activities. It's created uncertainty about our physical and emotional health and about our future way of life. More than 255,000 people have died in our country over the past nine months, with a thousand more being added to that number every day. That alone would have made for a very difficult year. But on top of that, we've had social unrest around issues of racial justice that have led to protests and riots in cities across our country. 
We've had the most divisive political season that any of us can ever remember, where the rhetoric towards those who disagree with one another has grown increasingly hostile and threatening. I don't know about you, but I haven't enjoyed any of that. I'm not thankful for most of what has happened this year. And that doesn't even begin to address the difficult things that may have happened personally in your lives this past year. At any given time in a congregation's life, even a relatively small congregation like ours, there there are people who are going through circumstances in life for which they don't feel very thankful. The loss of a loved one, hardships of poor health, tensions in marriage, challenges with children. I know that that's the case for some of you right now because I'm aware of some of what you're going through. I'm also sure that there's far more going on that I'm not aware of because life is often difficult. Health is often fragile. Relationships are often hard. And sometimes in the midst of life's challenges, the the call to give thanks to God can ring a little bit hollow. It can even feel insensitive and even hurtful in the midst of really difficult circumstances to be told to give thanks to God. It's easy to give thanks when things are going well, when we've got home and family and food and abundance. When good things happen, that's, that's an easy time to give thanks. It's like the leper from our gospel reading this morning. When he realized that he was healed, he returned to give thanks. That's natural. But how are we supposed to give thanks in the hard times, when we're not experiencing healing, when, when things aren't going the way we would want them to go. Why would we give thanks in the midst of those times? I think that's an important question to ask. (laughs) This year of all years and this week of all weeks. And this is why we're looking at Psalm 136 this morning. For Psalm 136 speaks directly into that question. And it provides for us a framework for how we can be a people who give thanks to God in both the good times and the difficult times of life. It's a psalm that I hope will help you to celebrate Thanksgiving well this week, regardless of what's going on in your life. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles uh, to Psalm 136. And let's consider together why, regardless of circumstances, we can and should give thanks to God. This psalm, it it opens and it closes with with a call to give thanks to the Lord. Look with me uh, at verse 1. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. And then all the way down at the end of the psalm in verse 26, it says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. For his steadfast love endures forever. This psalm is is bookended with the call to give thanks to God. And then throughout the rest of the psalm, the, the psalmist describes three great acts of God. In verses 4 through 9, the psalmist points to God's work in creation. In verses 10 through 24, the psalmist points to God's work in redemption. And in verse 25, 
the psalmist changes the verb tense and brings the whole, uh, the works of God in, in, from the past right up to the present moment by acknowledging that even now God is sustaining his creation. He gives food to every creature. And so the psalmist points to creation and redemption and God's sustaining work in the present moment, which if you think about it, could be a way of summarizing all of human history. And while the direct call to give thanks to God drops off after the third verse and doesn't return again until the very end of the psalm, the implication is that the exhortation to give thanks to God is present even if it's unseen and unheard, in each and every stanza of the psalm. We are to give thanks to God in in each and every one of these great acts that's listed. So so in verse 4, it's it's give thanks to Him who alone does great works. Verse 5, give thanks to Him who by understanding made the heavens. And again and again, the, the, the actual word give thanks is gone, but its intention is there. We are called to give thanks to God for everything. And at first glance, that may not seem like anything out of the ordinary, right? Of course we're to give thanks to God for creation and for redemption and for sustaining us in the present. That that seems obvious. But if you really think about and consider each of these verses individually, and then you go back into the scriptures and read the stories that these verses are pointing to, a number of these events were not occasions for thanksgiving when they were taking place. Instead, they were at times terrifying and miserable experiences for the Israelites as they went through them. Consider, for example, verse 13, which recalls when God divided the Red Sea in two. Now, if you went back and you read Exodus chapter 14, which recounts this story, you'd see that that the Israelites were terrified in those moments. As the people of God watched Pharaoh's army draw near to them, we're told that they feared greatly. They cried out to God, and they questioned God, and they doubted God as to why all of this was allowed to happen to them. They were wishing that they had remained in slavery in Egypt rather than facing this terror that they were experiencing. That's how bad this situation was. God's people were convinced that they were going to die. This wasn't an occasion for thanksgiving as they were experiencing it. Or or what about verse 16, which recalls when God led his people through the wilderness. If you went back and read some of the accounts of the wilderness wanderings in Exodus Exodus chapter 16 or or chapter 17, or throughout the whole book of Numbers, you'd see that the Israelites were miserable in the wilderness wandering. And they constantly grumbled throughout that whole time. The wilderness wasn't a time of blessing. It was a time of judgment and of testing by God. And it was a time of doubting and mourning and questioning and worrying by his people. An entire generation of God's people died as a result of that wandering. This wasn't an occasion for thanksgiving in the midst of it. Or what about down in verse 23, which recalls when God's people were in a lowly estate. There's no specific context or occasion given here. 
But there were lots of times in the scriptures when God's people were in lowly estates, when they were in slavery in Egypt, during the times of the judges, during their captivity in Babylon. None of those were good seasons or good experiences for the Israelites. Those weren't times for thanksgiving. Those were times of crying out for help and for mercy and for deliverance. All of those experiences were were terrible times for God's people. Yet here, Psalm 136 is calling them to give thanks for these times. Why? How are they supposed to do that? How are you supposed to do it? When the circumstances of your life aren't going well. When your marriage is in a difficult spot. When your health is in decline. When your friends at school have turned on you. When your children are struggling. During times when you're afraid. During times when you feel lost. During times when you feel alone. During times where you can't gather with your family at Thanksgiving because of health concerns. Or, or if you do gather, the family's so divided over politics that you can't enjoy being with one another anyway. How are you supposed to be able to give thanks to God during these times in your life when you may not feel very thankful? Well, the answer to that question is it's right underneath our nose. In fact, you've already said it 27 times this morning. It's because God's love endures forever. You see, what Psalm 136 actually instructs us to do is not to give thanks for any of those particular circumstances in and of themselves. But instead, it calls us to give thanks to our God who was at work in the midst of those circumstances. And even more, it calls us to give thanks to our God who was at work in those circumstances exhibiting his love that endures forever in the midst of and straight through to the end of those circumstances. The good ones and the bad ones. Look again at verse 13 and and 14. The psalmist says that to him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. The psalmist isn't saying be thankful for those terrifying times that they faced. Instead, he's saying give thanks to God who was faithfully present with you in the midst of those difficult times and who brought you through those difficult times with his enduring love. And those are two totally different things. I think this dynamic is beautifully portrayed in in Psalm 77 which shows both the terror that the people faced when the Red Seas were being parted and the enduring love of God that was with them in the midst of that great act. If you want to flip back a few pages in your Bible to Psalm 77, beginning in verse 16, we read these words. That when the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints 
were unseen. This was a terrifying moment, with a storm raging all around them. Yet in the midst of that storm, God was faithfully, lovingly leading them, even though his footsteps they could not see. We're not supposed to be thankful for the trial. We're supposed to be thankful to God who is faithful in the midst of the trial and whose love endures with us through to the end of the trial. And this is really the key to being able to give thanks to God when times are good or when times are bad. Many of you know that my father-in-law spent almost 60 days in the hospital this fall and had multiple heart surgeries over the course of that time. There were several stretches when we weren't sure he was going to make it. It's obviously weakened Lindsay's father. It's, had, it's exhausted Lindsay's mom. It's been difficult on Lindsay emotionally being far away and unable to help out. We're not thankful for that trial. It's been really hard. It's weighed heavy on our hearts. It was scary and we wish it hadn't happened. We're not thankful for the trial, but we do know that God has been with him in the midst of this storm. And though we may not be able to see his footsteps at each and every turn, though we may not understand why everything has happened in the way that it's happened, we do know that God has been with him through all of it. And we do know that God's love will endure with him to the end of this trial and beyond. That his love will endure forever. And for that, we really can give thanks. For that, even he can give thanks. And the same is true for you. In whatever storms you're facing right now, you don't have to be thankful for the storm itself. Why would you be? That, that, that would be sadistic. But I do hope that in the midst of the storms that you will face in life, that you will know God's presence is with you in the midst of it. And even if you can't see or understand how he is leading you through it, you can have confidence and give thanks that his love will endure with you to the end of your trial and beyond because his love endures forever. The reason that we know that this is the case, the reason that we know that God's love endures forever is because of what he did for his son upon the cross. That is the ultimate picture of how all of this plays out in life. As Jesus faced the cross and the trials that he was going to have to endure, he wasn't thankful for them. In fact, before he went to the cross, he asked for God to take it away from him. He didn't want to go there. And upon the cross, Jesus suffered greatly. Thanksgiving in that moment wasn't one of his emotions. He was experiencing pain and anguish and suffering. And in the midst of his suffering, he couldn't see how God was leading him. He cried out, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Jesus couldn't see his father's footsteps. But God hadn't forsaken him. His enduring love was with Jesus, mysteriously leading him and guiding him to the cross, through the grave, and all the way into a new and resurrected life. And that enduring love of God remains with his son to this day because his love endures forever. And church, let me tell you, we have a a faithful God. And if he did that for one son, 
He'll do it for all of his sons and daughters. God is with you. No matter what trials you're facing right now, no matter what trials you will be facing in the future, you may not be able to see how God is with you. You may not be able to see where he is at work in the midst of this mess that we call life. But he is with us in the midst of it. And he is and his faithful love will endure with us right through to the end of our lives and beyond and forever. And for that we can give thanks. For that we must give thanks. So on this upcoming Thursday and on every day of our lives, let's be a people who give thanks to God for he is good and his love endures forever. Amen.